As Jody said, we are at the closure of the series on creeds. Today we look at our final one in the series, the, the Statement of Faith of the United Church of Canada. And the focus of this creed is the presence of God. And so to underscore that, we've chosen for our scripture one simple verse that says it all. Reading from the Gospel according to John, the first chapter, verse 14. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for all of us. Thanks be to God. I'd like us to read together the Statement of Faith from the United Church of Canada. You'll see it up on the screen. If you'd like to look at it in the hymnal, if you'd like to have the text in front of you, it's number 883 at the back of the hymnal. Let us say together, we are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus, the Word made flesh, to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus, crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. And I would ask you please to pray with me. May the words that I say and the reflections that go through all of our minds give you pleasure, God, you who are our rock, you who save us. Amen. When have you had an experience in your life where you realize there is so much more going on than you were aware of? I had this feeling quite intensely uh, early on in my ministry when I completed a training on conflict mediation skills through the Lombard Mennonite Peace Center. We'd been learning uh, one of the dynamics to know about conflict is very rarely is a conflict just about the two people or group involved in the conflict. There are all sorts of other dynamics going on that inflame or change the dynamics of that conflict. To learn that lesson graphically, we played out a role play at the end of the time, and it was playing out a church conflict. Each person in the training course was given a role. There was one person playing the pastor. There were three people that were the kind of primary antagonists against the pastor. And then every other person was given a role. And so I'm going to pick on the Englishes, forgive me. But for example, George might be the person who picked the role that George loves this pastor. And the real reason George loves this pastor is this pastor is the one who advocated for handicap ramp. And George has a family, a family member with a handicapping condition, and it just meant the world to George that this pastor worked to make that happen. But Mary picked up the one that says, you hate this pastor. There are three or four songs that are your favorites, and this pastor never chooses them. You've talked to the pastor about it, you've addressed it, it has never gotten resolved, and you just do not like this pastor. 
Well, imagine that every person around the room had picked up some little storyline like this. I was supposed to be one of the people in the crowd, and then it turned out that the person who was supposed to play the pastor got called away, and so they made me, the pastor, to sit there, yeah, fun, (laughs) and to receive the antagonism of the three people. And so there was a story I knew about that was the kind of core story of the conflict, but then as other members of the congregation would weigh in on their, they would bring in, well, since you never chose those hymns, I think, or... Well, you, you made that ramp. You can do anything here. And it was eerie to sit there and realize that all this other stuff was going on that the pastor knew nothing about. Both allies and people were an antagonists that the pastor knew nothing about. Now, I will tell you, I don't think about that very much or it would make me insane. <laughs> but it just, it was this amazing moment of, that's right, The story of that conflict was so much bigger than it looked. The story of our lives is so much bigger than it looks. We can have a particular experience at a particular moment in time, but what's going on around us is so much bigger than what we know or we're aware of at any given time. And one of the experiences that is common to all of us as human beings is that of being alone and being lonely. And I believe the United Church of Canada Creed addresses that and deals with that very profoundly. And so I want to share time with you now to give you some of the background on how the United Church of Canada Creed came about, give you some of the history of the denomination and those words, and then to reflect with you on being alone and loneliness and how solitude is different from that, but how ultimately what we're called to is solitude and community. So first, the United Church of Canada. I don't know if we have any Canadians in the congregation, but the United Church of Canada is the second largest uh, denomination in uh, the country of Canada. The largest is the Roman Catholic Church. And the United Church of Canada was formed in 1925. It was a merger of four different strands. Three of them were longer-term denominations, the Canadian Methodists, the Canadian Congregationalists, Now, the Presbyterians had a congregation-by-congregation vote, so 70% of the congregations, the majority of the Presbyterian congregations, also voted to come into the United Church of Canada. But 30% of the Presbyterian congregations stayed out, and that's the separate Presbyterian Church of Canada. And then there was a small denomination made up of people from a variety of backgrounds that served different rural congregations and would kind of rotate among different denominations, a union of those more rural churches, and that also came in to form the United Church of Canada. A few years later, the Wesleyan Methodist Church of Bermuda moved in. I want to be the pastor from Canada who gets deployed to Bermuda, and... And in 1968, the Evangelical United Brethren of Canada also merged into the United Church of Canada. Now, in the States, the Methodist Church and the Evangelical United Brethren Church came together in 68 to form the United Methodist Church, which is our denomination. The EUBs up in Canada didn't want to be left out, and they merged into the United Church of Canada. So that's the denomination from which this creed was developed. At the time of this merger in 1925, they created a creed on their own. Um, So there's kind of the original 1925 creed. 
It was relatively short, and they developed an amplified version in 1940. That amplified version is so long, no one could possibly memorize it. And so, but they lived with the 25 and the 40 version for quite a while until 1968, they decided to write a new creed. So in 1968, they wrote a new creed, which is the creed we said together. Now, I know that it's hilarious to call it a new creed when it's almost 50 years old, but at the time, it was a new creed. Since then, they have formed another creed. I, it is some kind of multimedia song thing, which I attempted to download. I am a tech moron. I needed Scott. He was not at my house when I was trying to download it. So um, if you want to see it, go on the United Church of Canada website, and it's called Song of Faith. It was created in English in 2006 and the French version in 2007. So... The version you saw up on the screen is almost exactly the 1968 version, but there are two changes. The first one came in 1980 when they shifted to inclusive language. The original first line was, man is not alone. That was changed to, we are not alone. We live in God's world. So the language was changed for inclusivity in 1980. And it was this inclusive language version from 1980 that was approved and made it into our hymnal, which was approved in 1989. Our United Methodist hymnal dates back to a 1989 document. Later on, after we'd approved it, uh, another line got added in 1994, and that is, we live in respect with creation. So between the line, if you're looking, if you've got the hymnal in front of you, the current version would say, we are called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to live in respect with creation, to love and serve others, and it would continue on. This creed is beloved by many people who love it for its simplicity and for the way that it speaks about what our experience is as followers of Jesus. Now, there are others who do not like this creed. They, they don't like that it doesn't mention the, the history of the Christian movement. It doesn't talk about Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. The United Church of Canada answers that, that this was always intended as a supplement to the Nicene and Apostles' creeds. It was never intended as a standalone creed. Uh, so there are people for whom this is their favorite creed. There are also people who see this as a bit of a heresy because they feel it doesn't cover the bases that it should cover. What strikes me in reflecting upon this creed is how it zeroes in on a core experience of our human lives, and that is being alone and feeling lonely. They wouldn't have written a creed that started and ended with, we are not alone, if they were not addressing the fact that many of us feel alone. And so I want to think about aloneness and loneliness and solitude. Many of us are practically, physically alone. We may live alone. We may not have many people in our lives. We may have times we feel very alone, and when we feel alone, we may feel very lonely. Loneliness is a universal human condition. There is no one here that doesn't feel lonely at times. It's part of what our lives are like. And loneliness can take so many forms. Loneliness can be uh, the loneliness of having had someone in your life who's not in your life anymore. So the loneliness of 
bereavement and missing a former spouse or beloved. It can be the loneliness of uh, having gone through a breakup and not having that person in your life or a strained or broken family relationship. It can be the loneliness of wanting that person in your life and having an ache for what you don't have and wish you had. But there are other forms of loneliness as well that can happen when we're alone or can happen when we're around other people. There's the loneliness of child who has to walk into this, the classroom and may not know any of the other students. Maybe you move into a new school or a new neighborhood and you feel very alone. Or the loneliness we can feel in adulthood when we may start a new job and we, or go into a new department at the same job and we feel lonely. We don't know anyone here. Who's trustworthy? Can feel very scary and very lonely. And sometimes we feel lonely even when we're in groups. Some of us grew up in families where we wonder, how in the world did I get in this family? And we feel lonely in our family. Like, does anyone in this family get me? Because I don't know where I came from, but I don't feel like I fit in. And so we could be surrounded by family members and feel very lonely. We can feel like our beliefs or our attitudes are different from everyone around us, and we don't fit in in our family, in our workplace, in our social group. And so there's always that kind of loneliness, even in the midst of those social settings. Or there aren't other people like me with my sense of things, who look like me, who feel as I do. It's really valid to feel loneliness. We can even feel lonely in large groups. And we can feel lonely at church. Many of us deal with very difficult things in our lives, and some of us feel like we're the only ones dealing with that. And, you know, we, I can't tell that. I can't tell that I'm afraid to go home because I might be beaten. I can't tell that there's a family member or maybe me struggling with drug or alcohol abuse. I, I can't tell people that my marriage is a sham, or I can't tell people that. And so we hold it in, and we can sit at church and feel very lonely. Surely no one else here is going through what we're going through. Feel lonely. When we are lonely, we can read things like the United Church of Canada Creed. We are not alone. We live in God's world. But I want to acknowledge that when we are lonely, if someone says, oh, don't feel lonely, you've got Jesus. A lot of times, that doesn't help. <laughs> a lot of times, all that does is add a layer of shame on top of the loneliness. Like, what's wrong with you? You shouldn't feel lonely. You're a Christian. That doesn't help anyone. Sometimes our loneliness is for God when we're not sensing the presence of God. We're praying and we don't feel our prayers answered. We feel lonely for God. So although cognitively we may know we're not alone, sometimes we feel pretty alone. And there's got to be space to feel those feelings. Now the problem is, for many of us, and I include myself in the many, when we are lonely, there are all sorts of ways to fill in the gap. So we fill in the loneliness. We make ourselves very busy, or we make ourselves very social, or we watch TV, or we watch other things. There's always sound around us. There's always TV. We're always playing video games. We're always surfing the net. We're always doing some other distraction rather than feeling our loneliness. And you know what? It's really understandable we do it. And I think in the big scheme of things, it's okay that we all do that at times. But loneliness isn't the deepest experience available to us of being alone. 
The deepest experience available to us in being alone is not loneliness, but solitude. Henry Nouwen was a Dutch priest who became an academic and then spent his final years of ministry living among adults with disabilities in the L'Arche community in Canada. Nouwen is a prolific writer, and one of his early writings that's still a favorite for many is called Reaching Out. In Reaching Out, he refers to the three movements of the spiritual life, and he refers to the first movement as from loneliness to solitude. There is loneliness, which is an ache and which is real and which we will feel throughout our lives at various points. But there's also solitude, which is being alone and feeling at peace with ourselves. Or if we're not feeling at peace with ourselves, we're still allowing us to feel what we feel. It's completely understandable that at times we fill the void by stuffing it with distractions. But as long as we do that, we don't actually get to feel what we feel. And so it can be very important spiritually to sit with our loneliness, not to cover it up, not to make it pretty, but just feel it. And in allowing ourselves to feel that loneliness, it is amazing what can come up. In the silence, our souls speak to us. Our soul may say, oh, I miss this person so much. Our souls may also say, God, I am so grateful. I had not recognized how wonderful this particular thing was in my life. Our souls may say to us, boy, I have got to get out more. I have too small a world, and I need more out there. Or our souls may say to us, I need a hobby. I need something generative. I need something to do with my time that is a blessing to me and to others. Our, in our solitude, we make space for God to speak, and we feel our feelings, which may continue to be very painful. But in that solitude, in that space for God's voice or for the sense of absence, healing does come. And so we can experience solitude, which is an awareness of our aloneness that also feels rich, that, that has a kind of generativeness to it, that a solitude can be a true blessing and can be lived out even when we're around other people, that kind of awareness of our aloneness. We live paradoxical lives. We are alone in our lives, and many of us will die alone. We came out of our mother's bodies, usually alone, unless you're a, a twin or a triplet. But in general, we came out of our mother's bodies alone. And much of our lives, on and off, we will be alone. Aloneness is how it is. And we are communal beings. So although we come out of our mother's bodies alone, we spend our first nine months in someone else's body. That is how intimate the community is in which we are formed as people. And we will have people around us, families that are healthy or very unhealthy around us, and students at school, and people at work, and our own experiences throughout our lives. There are people around us who can hurt us, but also who can bless us. It is wonderful to be in a church community and to feel that union of we all have in common, not only that we are human beings who experience loneliness, but also that we are all yearning for God. In that aloneness, sometimes we feel that 
deep, deep desire for intimacy with God. And we can explore that desire as we read scripture, as we pray, as we come to worship and listen for the presence of God that we may or may not feel at that particular time. We may feel more acutely aware of creation, even as we may feel alone among humans. We feel the company of the birds in the morning or the chipmunk we see in the backyard or the ways in which creation, the, I was watching the patterns of the leaves blowing yesterday and that windy day when I was praying for it not to rain on the garage sale. <laughs> Just, we are not alone. We live in God's world. And in community, we can also, when it feels safe, share our vulnerabilities. I can guarantee to you that in a church this large, there is nothing that you feel that has not been felt pretty close to that by someone else in this church. You are not the only one dealing with a family member who is addicted. You are not the only one dealing with domestic violence. You are not the only one dealing with financial anxiety or long unemployment. You are not the only one embarrassed by the behavior of some of your family members. You are not the only one who is not quite sure what you believe about God right now. All of us go through those times. And when it feels safe to share that experience, it is amazing how there's another person in the community who knows just what you're talking about and can share. Yeah, boy, that was hard. Boy, that's hard. I feel so helpless. And in our sharing, we find that unexpected community. Brothers and sisters, we are not alone. We are part of a larger story. We may be physically alone. We may feel emotionally very alone. And those feelings may be very valid. But it's also true that we are held in a larger story. We live in God's world. We are brothers and sisters of Jesus. God loves humanity so much as to take on human flesh and the person of Jesus to teach and heal and create a new community. Jesus took on all the sin and suffering of the people around him, was willing to be killed, was raised by the Father to show that love is stronger than death. We can live that reality, that love is stronger than death, every day of our lives. We can choose to live as loving people, even in our loneliness even in our solitude, even in moments of great community. We are not alone. We live in God's world. Thanks be to God. Amen.